Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Uh, we are still in the cabin up in the mountains of Tennessee. Uh, we're recording this Monday, October 23rd. We're not doing an intro for this. We're just going into it. We're talking magic after these four preseason games occurred. Uh, before we get into kind of what we saw from the preseason games, and we might throw some stats out, we'll see, but... Uh, again, if you hear any background noise and you hear some laughing because of background noise, just know it's we're, we're just having fun here. So Nate Tibbetts is leaving the Magic, has left the Magic to become the highest paid coach in the WNBA with the Phoenix Mercury. He is, was Jamal, Mer, uh, Jamal Mosley's uh, lead assistant head coach uh, or lead assistant coach. Highly respected coach in person, like all the players and a lot of people said some really really nice things as he exited. Um, I mean, Nate, we don't know Nate Tibbetts personally, but he seems like an overall pretty great guy. And that seems to be all the indications on how everybody kind of reacted to him leaving. Like they're all happy for this opportunity for him, but uh, uh, at the same time, just sad that he's departing and departing so soon, you know, as this regular season is literally about to start in, in a day or two. So, um, and he's been with Mosley as the lead assistant since the beginning, you know, Mosley's entering year three now as Orlando Magic head coach. Uh, Penny, Nate Tibbetts' thoughts, and do we bring in a replacement lead assistant now from the outside? Do we promote from within? Because right now it's by default we promote, we're promoting from within. You know, it's Jesse Mermis, it looks like, is going to be the lead guy with, like, Dale Osborne as the number two. And then we still have 2023 FIBA World Cup gold medal uh, winning German national team assistant coach Brett Brielmeyer and also Lionel Chalmers uh, to kind of fill out that bench. Um, do we need like a Terry Stotts? Do we need like an advisor addition? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go from here, Penny. A couple of interesting takes on this and obviously a great opportunity for Nate Tibbetts also speaks to what his current salary was with the magic that he's uh, switching leagues to go to the WNBA to make a little more than a million dollars a year. So, um, yeah, by all accounts, a good guy, nice guy, obviously important to the staff in terms of, you know, Jamal Mosley being a young coach and uh, having people that he trusts around him more so for game management type stuff. So uh, the interesting thing has been the pushback that he's gotten throughout the WNBA, which I'm sure you've seen online, especially, um, I think not only because of his salary, uh, you know, like, Probably doesn't help that Becky Hammond just won two titles in a row and is not going to be paid more than Nate Tibbetts. But uh, in any event, the, the, the most interesting thing, thing to me, I think, is the game management portion. Obviously, coaching staffs have ballooned so much now that the scouting responsibility, the, you know, the, the day-to-day player development stuff, none of that really changes. Someone will slide in and fill that role. But managing the substitutions, which I think we've both noted uh, Coach Mosley has leaned heavily on his assistants to do. to do, um, But we'll see what happens with that. I think the other thing to note, um, although it's not ideal, the timing of the move, Damon Stoudemire left the Boston Celtics mid-year last year. Didn't didn't really impact you know how how they ended up doing. So certainly not anything that will uh, that should impact the Magic in a negative sense. Other than you know losing a guy that people enjoy being around. Um, yeah, a few things. So with Nate Tibbetts, I think 
and I I have not looked deeply into this, but I think Nate Tibbetts' father was big into female coaching, so or coaching women, and so he um, so there's kind of a history there, a family history, so that's an influence. Obviously, the money helps, you know, uh, but whether he stays in the WNBA for a while or if he kind of uses this as an eventual stepping stone for maybe an NBA job, I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on that. And it's, it is understandable to see kind of some of the backlash, but most of the people that are giving the backlash don't really know who Nate is. And so you're just, that's just going to have to play out. As far as Boston, you bring up the Stoudemire thing, arguably Boston's biggest weakness might be their head coaching situation. And that's why they brought in Jeff Van Gundy for like advisor help this off season. But we'll see how it plays out. I don't think it's a, it's a big deal right now. Um, I mean, losing Nate Tibbetts, I think it, it is something, um, especially as we don't know how, you know, Jesse Mermis is going to do now as the lead guy and guys move up, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Um, the next topic, I, I want to go through this one kind of kind of quickly, uh, not doubt, dive too deeply into this, but Brendan Malone passed away. And for longtime Magic fans, they know Brendan Malone was kind of paramount as one of Stan Van Gundy's assistants during, you know, Stan Van Gundy's reign as Magic head coach, which I consider Stan Van Gundy the best head coach in Magic history. And having assistants like Brendan Malone, uh, you know, fire, uh Patrick Ewing, Clifford, guys like that. Like, he had a really good bench to be able to accomplish that. Um, and he, you know, Brendan Malone goes way beyond just magic tenure stuff. You know, he's been a head coach in the NBA. He has been an assistant on some stellar teams throughout history, including, like, Chuck Daly's Detroit teams. Um, but I am very happy that he got to see his son win an NBA title in Denver, like, like you know, months, you know, a couple months before he passed away. And, um yeah, I don't know if you got any Brendan Malone thoughts, observations from his tenure with the Magic or just any thoughts beyond that, or I can just move on. Yeah, I mean, just on the whole, uh, one of probably the top assistant coach uh, in terms of franchise history um, with the accolades that he brought to the team and certainly the success that we had during that tenure. Marcin Gortat credits Brendan Malone with giving him an NBA career. Um, that's one of many players that he positively impacted. So uh, glad glad the Nuggets got got it done last year. Um, and and sad news, but certainly made a tremendous impact uh, for decades in the NBA. And then briefly before we get into the actual preseason stuff, so the Magic plan to break ground on a now $500 million entertainment complex across the street from Amway Center and the training center uh, by the end of 2024. Uh, the price tag has gone up $100 million. Uh, and supposedly, yeah, it's going to be, I'll believe it when I see it, and I'll just leave it at that because this has been getting ridiculous. So, But I have to mention it because it's in the news. All right, preseason. I really can't emphasize how big it's been that we've had our top 12 players on this Magic roster all healthy, basically, or mostly healthy for this long together in training camp and through the completion of preseason. I can't recall the last time we had that happen. Um, that won't last during the regular season. It's almost impossible for it to last during the regular season to, be, to have your top 12 guys healthy, but that we have everyone familiar with each other and that we don't and won't have to acclimate a guy from scratch during the season is big in my eyes. Like it's, it's massive. Um, we now know what we can expect when healthy 
roster-wise, kind of rotation-wise, uh, even style of play-wise. And I think mentally that gives the team strength, uh, knowing that you can, you know, what you can be and what you can do kind of without that question mark of, well, we don't have everyone healthy. Well, you've had everyone healthy for essentially a month now, and you know what you can do and what you can be. And even if guys now get hurt during the regular season, as they come back, we know how everything kind of fits together. But um, going to the first preseason game, Magic Pelicans, out of the gate, you know, Mosley started Wendell, Paolo, Franz, Suggs, and Fultz. Uh, as I predicted, I expected that to be the normal starting five when the games matter. And it was our starting five for the three NBA preseason opponent games. Um, Penny, are we fine with Suggs over Gary? Were you surprised that was Suggs over Gary over, out the gate? I wasn't, but yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, based on, I think, a couple episodes ago, I, I thought that Gary would be the incumbent just based on last year, but uh, clear that Suggs has been impressing during training camp. You've heard it from David Steele uh, and pretty much everyone in the organization. The And really, it's the defense, right? It's uh, what the, that extra... Uh, facet that he's bringing on the defensive end of the floor and if he again as we talked about if he does anything offensively then you really can't have any qualms with him uh, moving into the starting five so we played the pelicans twice um the pelicans have been dealing with injuries like they didn't have trey murphy they didn't have alvarado larry nance uh zeke Naji. i think there's like a another like one of the zellers like it's so they were dealing with injuries throughout the preseason um the big highlight of the game was Paolo crossing up Zion at the three-point line, driving and just tomahawk slamming over Valanciunas. And I feel like once he did that, he's like, I'm good. I don't need to show much more in preseason because oddly he's kind of been getting criticized for not doing much in preseason, which I don't care. Do it when the games matter. Um, maybe he's still kind of nursing and resting that that right hand, that right thumb kind of, that was bothering him at the FIBA World Cup. Um, the other thing we figured out real quick is that Mo Wagner is going to be the backup center as Goga has been getting kind of third string minutes. Um, are you good with Mo as the backup center? Do you see concerns or do you still kind of think there's going to be games where Goga might be, might be the first big off the bench? I mean, I certainly situationally, I don't think you can rule it out, but man, uh, has Mo exceeded your expectations from a couple of years ago? I mean, I don't think you... I don't think we saw him being part of a 10-man rotation for a team that's actually trying to win games. So uh, credit to him in terms of continuing to develop. But uh, he he brings that dimension that probably nobody else on the on the team brings. And uh, he's he's been quite effective for, for a long time. So really uh, hard to argue against that, despite what, what Goga might bring again with the kind of sturdier frame that he has. So for this first Pelicans game, uh, Ingle, Joe Ingles was the one who sat out for rest purposes, I guess. Anthony Black got small forward minutes uh, as the backup small forward. I, I didn't like that experiment. And basically, Anthony Black hasn't looked good anywhere on the floor, be it as the backup shooting guard, backup small forward, or even like at point guard. But um, we'll talk more about that later. But we've seen Jonathan Isaac playing, and... Has he looked rusty at times? Sure, but he's active and maybe as athletically free-flowing as I've seen him since 2019, basically, at this point. it's he's His defensive impact is still there. The, the shot's showing up here and there. Like he's, Offensively, he's still kind of showing what he was trying to show us in the bubble. There's a lot of rust. 
he's on a 10 minute minute restriction it seems like at least that's what it was in the preseason whether that holds up or not when the games matter we'll see um it is funny that the pelicans announced that they were very keen on shooting more threes this season because they got james borrego in and he's being praised for the new offense as he reunites with willard green in new orleans um and the magic are still out shooting them from deep which i think that's promising um yeah, I mean the Magic. They won this game. Uh, I, I'm going to keep an eye on Jordan Hawkins for New Orleans because he was one of the guys between him and Cam Whitmore that I wanted the Magic to take over Jet Howard. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. Uh, Trevlin Queen looked like the best from the Exhibit Ten training camp guys in this New Orleans game, and as we find out, he'd overall look like the best guy in preseason. That's why he got the third two-way contract. Uh, that we talked about last pod briefly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good first game. Like a lot of guy, a lot of the guys looked ready immediately, which that was big. Cause again, we only had four preseason games to deal with. And uh, as we would come to find out, like we still didn't fully play like a full on game for at least when we came, when it came down to like third and fourth quarters, even in the fourth preseason game against or the third preseason game against new Orleans. Like we, you know, we still rested, guys. We still went very deep into our bench. But um, for that first game, I thought, like, conditioning, effort, ball movement were all kind of there. So I wasn't worried about shots falling in that game. But, I mean, we looked good in that first game. Any thoughts on Isaac, Queen, any any guys I kind of mentioned, Jet Howard, something like that from, from that first game? Yeah, I mean, the, the Isaac thing that's nice to see is the activity on the defensive end. That's really what he's going to bring to the table because – uh, offensively, I think he'll probably end up being the fourth or fifth option based on you know who he's on the floor with and what we're trying to accomplish in those minutes. Nice to see that he's not being held out uh, and that they're giving him probably the same run in preseason that they'll give him when the games matter. Um, I think on the whole, we talked about like our our best players are going into their second and third season. Um, but they're very clearly veterans already in terms of uh, preparing themselves and their and their bodies. So uh, any kind of that uh, warier concern about uh, counting stats that are not being put up by Paolo specifically or Paolo and Franz in preseason, I think is completely over overblown there. Uh, and Franz obviously played, you know, uh, at a high level all summer. So they know what they need to do to get ready. They're doing just enough to do that. And we're on to the next game after. Yeah, I'll mention Trevor and Queen, kind of his production real quick, because he played all four games in the preseason and he got signed to that third two-way spot. You know, he was the G League MVP uh, last season. And um, he averaged in the four games 9.3 points per game. Uh, he shot 53.8% from the field. He only shot 25% from three on like three attempts. But I mean, again, a lot of this was garbage time. So you kind of got to get up what you can get up. Um, but he is a three point threat uh, potentially. And yeah, I mean, did you think from a two way perspective that it should have been McClung or it, it or not neither guy? I mean, I, or anybody else? Cause I, I didn't think so. Um, we didn't get Kevon Harris at all this entire preseason. He's the only one that's really been hurt for us but we know what Kevon is and what he brings Schofield to Schofield so but adding Queen in there is a potential issue where if we have some big man injuries that 
because we don't have a big man signed to a two-way contract, that could be an issue. But I'm I'm not concerned right now um, from a depth perspective. Like we have Goga Bataze as the third center, whereas he could easily be the backup center on like 20 of the 30 NBA teams around the league. Yeah, and you know if there is a significant injury, I'm sure that we'll shuffle some of those two ways uh, if need be. But uh, anything short term, probably you're going to slide Admiral Schofield into backup big minutes, which is not ideal, but uh, has been done before and, and could could be done again. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, there's intriguing things about a number of the guys that were brought in to compete in camp and uh, some of them performed well, some of them performed, you know, uh, average. Um, but I think Queen clearly separated himself and has the accolades from last year. He's certainly deserving of the of the final two way spot and earned it with his play, uh, both in the games and practices. And I am going to carve out time uh, to see that G League series that you uh, rave about, Penny. So, all right. So the second preseason game. So we continued that road trip. I guess went from New Orleans into Cleveland, and I would say the Cavs have a lot of pressure on them to stay fourth or move up in the East this season. Um, they had a really ugly exit at the hands of the Knicks in the last postseason. And, you know, with this game, Ingles played. Gary Harris was the one who rested. So Anthony Black got the backup shooting guard minutes in this case. Um, Caleb Houston, he missed the first two games with the right ankle sprain. He ended up playing the last two games. You know, Kevon didn't play the whole preseason because of a sore right knee. Um, hopefully that's okay shortly. Uh, Cleveland, just like New Orleans, kind of announced that they want to speed things up as well this season offensively after the Knicks just kind of took them to the woodshed uh, in, in the playoffs a little bit there. It was a good series, but the Cavs should have won that series, I thought. Um, and so they're kind of changing things up because now they're in contender mode. Um, you know, they can't they can't take a step back. If they take a step back, there's going to be they're going to probably get a new head coach. There's going to be like a lot of different things going on with that roster. Like Jared Allen might have to get traded. Um, so yeah, uh, what I enjoyed about this game was Cole, Joe, and Mo, uh, and Ji. That quartet they can be very freaking good together. Um, you know, the Magic had a twelve point lead at halftime in a very fun game. It was that the Magic offense flowed really, really well in that first half. It's the best I've seen the Magic offense, and in a long time. It was it was some beautiful basketball to watch at times. And Joe Ingles takes and and should get a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, I came out of that preseason game thinking that either the Magic can be a top six team in the East or Cleveland isn't a top four East team. It's kind of a pick one situation. Um, and then I know they didn't have Jared Allen, but Cleveland's problems are kind of on the wings. Like, do you think Max Struess and George Neang kind of bring what Cleveland needed? Like, yeah, they, they added some shooting, but they're not good defenders, maybe average at best. Um, and an average defending against guys like Paolo and Franz won't work for that Cavs team. Uh, I guess any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the biggest offseason, uh, I think, uh, point of emphasis for Cleveland was trying to find anybody else to take Chetty Osman minutes away. So they doubled down to get those two wings. Um, and we'll have to see. I mean, I obviously Niang was in the rotation for Philadelphia pretty heavily last year. Um, but 
in in terms of this game, the one takeaway I had was just the little springy athletic plays by Anthony Black. Again, uh, predominantly happening against uh, Bang Bang Niang. So take that for what it is and what it's worth. Um, and also Niang too, as you pointed out, uh, I think unfortunately in his media day photo probably got the youth medium um, or he's looking a little extra portly to start the season. So something to keep an eye on. Cleveland, would you argue that they're in the same boat maybe as Sacramento in the West where probably snuck up on some teams last season and now have to double down to try and recreate what they accomplished last year? I actually think Sacramento is better than them. Uh, I think the Kings, like last season, was just a sign of kind of things to come, whereas with Cleveland, I can easily see them stagnating. I know some people probably think the complete opposite of those viewpoints. Some people think Cleveland will – be like a top three team potentially in the east this season whereas the kings are going to be the ones that take a step back again i i think it's the opposite of that um but yeah i mean that's kind of the viewpoint but i consider sacramento like i think the kings could win 50 games this year um but we'll see how that plays out and yeah the pinnacle sequence of this kind of Cavs uh game where the magic won this game uh thankfully the g leaguers held on and the third stringers held on to the to this game to this win late um but the pinnacle sequence was i think in that third quarter where like Fultz and Franz hit back-to-back threes and then you had like a smooth Paolo Bencaro jumper that put us up like 73-63 and we were just looking so good in that game um the jump in quality of the starters and rotation guys from the first half of that first New Orleans game to the first half in this Cleveland game was very noticeable and that's what I wanted to see from from a preseason perspective. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, The third preseason game, Pelicans Magic, like this 100% needed to be kind of a magic dress rehearsal for the regular season. This was also New Orleans' last preseason game, and this was the Magic last preseason game against an NBA opponent uh, with, you know, Flamingo that we played on Friday being the fourth. Um, It was the first half and a bit of the third that we got kind of the dress rehearsal with that, uh, which – I, I wanted to see the whole thing through, and we didn't get it. And we knew definitively, for sure, in that third game, that Jonathan Isaac was on a minutes restriction because he played 10 minutes, and then as soon as he went out, like the Magic just got away from rotation starters in the in the middle of that third. Um, but again, Isaac's performing. It's all about health with him. Can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, everything about the season outlook can change a bunch. Um, and I thought the rookies for this game should not have played unless it was garbage time, which that played out as I wanted to. Uh, it was a large magic home crowd for a preseason game. I think they only fell like a thousand short of a sellout. Um, and it's good. It's good to get used to that energy. Now that that October 25th home opener is, is here and approaching. Um, Caleb Houston, this was his first game of the preseason. The Pelicans, they still had all those guys out. Murphy, Nance, Marshall, Zeller, uh, Alvarado like so that hindered the test I thought and I think that's why the Magic ended up not playing kind of the starters and stuff in the fourth quarter Joe Ingles by himself spreads the floor so well for the second unit like he I'm such a big Jingles fan I might end up buying a jersey of his by the end of the season if if things go how I think they might go um but be it either just him sitting in the corner or or him being on the ball using and utilizing that awesome fusion uh, vision and passing like this magic second unit is going to do a ton of damage against most of the league's second units if healthy um and then Suggs and Isaac which we'll see 
hopefully often this season, but they had some huge defensive plays in this game. You know, Fultz in the third had this disgusting kind of post-up behind the back bounce pass around McCullum to a cutting Paolo for the jam. And then I thought Chuma Okeke had a, a very solid fourth quarter showing that he needed because I thought there was a chance he might get cut. Um, and just they would have just eaten the $5 million salary for the season. But that it's not going to happen. They're going to keep Chuma on. If for anything else, it's like, a, a, you know, as just – big man depth support honestly as a power forward but and as the rookies they kind of looked a little lost to me in the end um and it's they look better against flamengo in the fourth game but it's flamengo like you if you're not looking good on that nba court you know Waltman and and mosley have said it like they're not handing out minutes and right now those guys don't deserve meaningful minutes at the moment so i don't know penny you got any thoughts on the second unit anything else with that third game before we quickly go through the fourth one yeah i mean my big takeaway here uh twofold first the the guys that are in the rotation and going to be in the rotation on opening night played well enough uh we didn't get the full dress rehearsal as you were hoping for um but i was happy with the minutes where our starters and second unit were playing against the you know starters and second unit of new orleans and uh, feel good about kind of where we're at as we go into the season but i think the biggest takeaway for me um and how the preseason was handled minutes wise uh i i would not be surprised if we open with even an 11-man rotation uh on opening night just in terms of uh guys have not been ramped up to you know their full allotment of minutes yet so uh much in the same way that you know baseball teams start the season uh, without the starters stretched out and and there's a lot more usage of depth I think NBA teams or at least us specifically we have the depth the the ability to do it that there will be probably a ramp up period uh, as we start the regular season where guys get up to probably that 34 37 minute threshold that they'll get up to eventually so on the whole rookies didn't look great team looked good feel pretty good about where we are after the end of NBA preseason competition. And then I'm not going to mention much more of, of the Flamengo game, that fourth game, because it really didn't matter. That was just for just the fans. And, like, we started bench guys, you know. I think Chuma, Caleb, the two rookies, and uh, Goga started that Flamengo game. We got up 19-2. to two. We were up by, like, 30 often in that game. And – you know, Flamengo, they only have two former NBA players and not good ones. Um, and, you know, Caleb and Jet had huge first halves. They had like 15 and 16 points each. I think Jet Howard finished with like 21 points, but it doesn't mean much in this situation. Like, you got to, you know, if it's not NBA competition, it, it's not going to matter. So, um, any, like, we talked about it a few pods episodes ago about how potentially concerning it was that Flamengo was the last preseason game. I'm not as concerned now after that, considering what we've seen in preseason. Had we had situations and moments where we weren't ready, I would have been more concerned, but I think I'm okay. Are you okay? Very clearly, there was a plan in place from both the coaching staff and the front office, and I think with the aid of good health, uh, which we haven't had always, that plan was executed during the preseason, so I think I'm fine with where we are at this point. All right, so... Uh, we don't need to talk about the G League guys uh, or the you know our two way guys. Um, 
I do want to kind of pick and choose a little bit, kind of looking at preseason stats, because usually I don't care about looking at preseason stats, but it kind of gets the conversation started and going about discussing guys and what we can expect from them. The first guy I want to talk about is Cole Anthony, because we're filming, we're recording this Monday morning. By the end of the day, we're going to find out if he got an extension or not. I don't expect that he got, he's getting the extension, um, but he played, you know, the three preseason games. 16 minutes off the bench, uh, 9.3 points per game, shot 55.6% from the field. He only took two three-point attempts. Uh, Hopefully that'll rise a little bit when the games matter. 33.3% shooting from the field, uh, from three-point range. Four assists, so that's not a bad number for your your backup point guard there. Um, I think Cole Anthony's got a shot at at being in six-man conversation. assuming he's not like asking for a trade out because we don't give an extension. But I, I was very encouraged by what I saw from Cole in preseason. How about you? Yeah. And I think my take is that he's going to play the bulk of his minutes this year with uh, Joe Ingles, which I think will only help him in terms of, uh, you know, Ingles and some sort of pick and roll and kicking to Cole where he can either shoot uh, pull up or drive, which hopefully should make uh, the offense flow a little bit better and allow him to put up, you know, a little bit better stats than he has in the past, take some of that burden of creating off of him. So um, I agree. I think he's very aware of what his role is on this team. We assume that he has embraced the role um, and it's his time to go out there and really, uh, you know, succeed in that role which will benefit the team and then only benefit him personally in terms of getting paid thereafter so i'll bring up another one and then if you want you can bring up somebody uh but we gotta talk anthony black because you know he's he's the sixth pick in the league in the nba in the in the draft from this summer and you know he played all four games 17.8 minutes per game Three and a half points per game, and the Flamingo game helped that, I believe. Um, I think he was at like two and a half in the first three games. 31.3% from the field, shot four attempts per game. Didn't hit a three-pointer. He averaged a a, a one and a half threes uh, out of the four games. 50% from the free throw line. Three boards per game, 1.8 assists, but then 1.5 turnovers. But he almost got a block a game and. 1.3 1.3 steals per game. So, I mean, defensively is where if he's going to see the floor, that's going to be the reason is the defense. But I, you, you, they, the, the Magic seem to be try, just trying to figure out, like, okay, where can we slot him in if guys are out? Can it be small forward? Can it be shooting guard? Or can it only be point guard? And my viewpoint is it can only be point guard at this moment. So he needs to, you know, he's not going to see the floor unless Markel or Cole are hurt. Um do you see any other viewpoint from that? And do you have another guy you want to bring up as to talk about? Uh, I think that the Anthony Black minutes have been concerning, but not necessarily surprising. Um, both talked about kind of not being super high on the Jet Howard pick, but it's almost easier to see him slotting in somewhere ahead of Anthony Black just because he's not multidimensional. He's going to slot in to catch and shoot essentially for, for uh, the first minutes that he'll see um, in the NBA that count Anthony black stuff, a little bit concerning. I agree with you. I think the positionally, the only position that he can see time is that point guard. But that being said, I don't necessarily trust him yet to be 
handling the ball and playmaking. I didn't see any. I mean, you see flashes, obviously, but, um, you know, with who he would be sharing the court with, I would rather him not be the primary facilitator. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's tough. I think the biggest thing with him is that he he just needs to build his body up. If you build his body up, like the rest of it's going to come. Um, the shot form is concerning. I don't care about shot form. If it's going in, it's not going in, and the shot form is a concern. I don't know if you got another guy. If you want to follow up on that, if you got another guy you want to suggest me, let's just talk about real quick. Yeah. So the only other guy I wanted to talk about is uh, Jalen Suggs. So I'll let you kind of talk about how the stats compare to the eye test. But um, obviously, in my eyes, he he solidified the starting two guard spot. Um, we're expecting him to take a little jump and a little leap, um, even on both sides of the ball. What'd you see from Jalen Suggs? Um, do you feel better about him now than you did two weeks ago? I thought he was going to win the job. So, I mean, I feel about the same. Um, you know, he, he started all three games that he played in 7.7 points per game in 18.6 minutes. Um, I'm not expecting him to score a ton. He'll he'll score probably around 10 points per game, probably uh, initially out of the gate. But you know, 39% from the field, but 36.4% from three on 3.7 attempts per game. That's the encouraging part right there. Everything else, it's <clears throat> it's it, we kind of know what we're gonna get from him. And um, yeah, I he, he's gonna be fine. He just needs to stay healthy. If he stays healthy. It's going to get better and better for him. He deserves to start, and he just he plays really well off of everybody else. And I kind of want to say he's like a Courtney Lee at the moment, where if you lift, leave him open, I'm confident in him banging shots in. I am. I just don't want to see him force stuff. And I think he'll be happy enough being out there as like the fifth scoring option, even if it's not Markell or him, uh, because he's a pretty unselfish guy. Um, so I'll leave it at that with Jalen. I think he's fine. I think Gary Harris is fine coming off the bench, um, backing him up because Gary Harris is a good dude and he's a vet. And yeah, I think, I think we won't have any friction with that. The only other guy I really want to bring up, um, cause I don't need to bring up Franz Wagner. He led us in points per game at 15.3. Like Franz is killing it after the world cup. I don't even need to bring up Wendell. Like he averaged almost 10 points per game. Wendell looks fine. I I, I just want to talk Paolo Bancaro real quick. Um, because people seem to be concerned and I just, I'm not there with him. Uh, started all three games, just under 20 minutes per game, 7.7 points per contest, which He's going to average 20 points per game this season. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, field goal percentage, 33.3%. Like, he he took a lot of jump shots, and that's what preseason's for, I guess, a little bit, too, is just experimenting. Like, I don't need you riding on all cylinders yet. Like, I just want you out there. Again, him doing that crossover of Zion and then slamming and yamming all over Valanchunas, I'm like, okay, he's ready. And I think that's how the approach he took after that. Um, he... Did not make a three-pointer in the preseason, so that's something to keep an eye on with his hand potentially. But we've got enough floor spreaders uh, throughout the team where I'm not concerned about that yet. I'll be concerned if you know we're done with the West Coast trip and he's in a slump or something. Then I'll worry, but I'm I'm not worried about Paolo right now. He's still getting to the free throw line a good amount. Um, 
he's got he averaged three assists per game, which that number's going to go up even more with the minutes. Um, I'm good with Paolo. Uh, your thoughts on Paolo? Any final thoughts on anybody else before we get done with this? Because our next pod's going to be season predictions. Yeah, no concern with Paolo at all. Again, we talked about, uh, you know, obviously he's only played one season, but he's very clearly an NBA vet already. Took it just, you know, put in just enough to know that he'll be ready for opening night. Um, these games don't matter. The stats don't count. Would you feel better if he dropped a Jordan Poole 41 in preseason? Doesn't really, I mean, would you rather have Jordan Poole than Paolo? So, no. Um, I think you'll see him attacking the basket a lot more when the games count than he did and um, certainly didn't need any uh, nagging injury picked up to get 20 points against, you know, New Orleans. So I'm content all the way around. We made it all the way through. Uh, meaningful basketball is imminent. Pretty exciting time. And that's going to do it for this episode. If you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time, subscriptions, high ratings, positive comments, all help this podcast ranking a ton. Tweet us any of your feedback and questions. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Stroud. And I am at Papa Giorgio NBO. With that, take care. Let's go magic.